0: How many of you has got something like this with you? All right, open it to Philippians, the first chapter, verses 7 through 11. I tell you what, we've been hearing some fantastic things, amen? Uh Our, our problem is not hearing. I think it's practice. And... Uh, uh, the things that I've heard so far are just fantastic, and if I'd expand my lesson based on some of them, we'd be able to hear a long time. So I uh, pray for me that I don't uh, do that. In Philippians 1 here, verse 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains, or defending, or confirming the gospel, Paul wasn't in jail for nothing. Paul had a purpose for being in jail, and through the suffering there, uh, we've we've gained great things from that. He said, for whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And uh, what a fantastic blessing to share in is the grace of God. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of, and the praise of God. God help us to bring things out of this that will help us, and help us to apply them to our life. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Paul said, I have you in my heart. You know, if we'd say that, we'd say, I have you on my nerves. And, uh, but praise God, he, he had them on his heart. Paul's love and his intent and his desires, his affection for them, were patterned after the love of Christ. You see, it was really Christ's love channeled through Paul for these Philippians, and this this is where his prayer comes out of. And he says, My prayer, my heart's desire for the church at Philippi, and he's pleased with this church because this is his sweetheart. Church, This is the one that has supported him all along, and he's pleased with them. He accepts them as God's children, but they need to grow. You know, uh, he knows their weaknesses. He knows their problems. He knows their wrong motives, their wrong desires that, that is in them at the moment. But he longs for them to uh, trust God, trust the Spirit, let Jesus have his way, and overcome those problems. Spiritual life is based on God's love. God is love. When we're born again, we are born into a life of love. We start off as a babe. We must grow. We must drink, we must eat, we must exercise. And when we do, the result is growth. In the physical realm, that comes naturally. We're born, we drink, we eat, we exercise, and voila, there's growth. In the spiritual realm, it comes the same way. There's the birth, there's the drinking of milk, there's the eating of solid food and and the results is growth but a problem in this realm see because in the natural in the physical realm it's natural and we have those hunger pains that'll be working on us here very quickly and and so it it motivates us but in the spiritual realm It is a conscious choice. It is a voluntary thing. If we're going to grow and swimming upstream is not easy, it is hard. And we don't grow because we don't have the mind to grow and we don't have the set of mind to grow. In Philippi, they were born again. They had grown some. But Paul is saying, you need to grow. And at Greater Alton, the crossings... We've been born again, praise God and and we've we've got some growth it's not the end of it there there's growth to do and if we're going to honor God like we should and if we're going to be example to the world as they need, then you see we're going to have to grow and as God's children we are beings of love in our churches there are babes though how many here have been uh, born again in the last year would you raise your hand praise God praise God and and you're here uh, to to learn to grow and and we rejoice with that some of us have more knowledge than others but we need to grow some of us have greater in uh, depth of insight than others but we need to grow and and so the point, of All of this is is we need to grow. Paul in Philippians 1, verse 9 is praying that your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In, in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, Peter is praying that they grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got two apostles praying that they would grow. You know what Tim is doing at Greater Alton? You know what Robert is doing at The Crossings? They're praying. You know what they're praying for? For us to grow. And, and because it's the way we're going to bring honor and glory to God. So we need to, our challenge is us man up in love. Let's grow. And when we, when we man up in love, we're, we're becoming like God. Any, anybody here who doesn't want to be like God? But you see, for us to be there, we've got to grow. God is a being of love. To live life like God, we've got to live a life of love. Spiritual life is a life of love. In Philippians 1, verse 21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ. What kind of life did Christ live? Life of love. It's the only kind of life that He lived. It was a life of love. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What's involved in the heart? You know, we can't learn to love God if we don't understand the heart and and let it be involved in our growth. What is the heart? What's involved loving God with all of our heart? You know, an animal doesn't have a heart like we do. An animal is body and soul. Man is body, soul, and spirit. Our heart that we're talking about today comes out of the spirit. And it's not this one. You know, many times we point to this one and talk about the heart. That's not showing. That's not talking about the Bible. You'd be pointing to this one. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He says, "'Why think ye evil in your hearts?' And this is the one we're talking about growing in. And this is the one that we're wanting to put some emphasis on today. There's there's two or three in here that have seen me use this chart before. I think there's some important things in that. I think it's the way to grow. And if we will see that, I believe it will make it easier for us to grow. Involved in the heart is intellect. That's the capacity to mentally grasp the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And, and we're not going to be free without knowing the truth. So we're not going to be free without this being involved. Through the, through the intellect, you know, comes faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the Word of God. So we, by the intellect, we gather in these facts that causes us to rely on God, to trust God. And so it's through the intellect that we have a right, right relationship with God. And so without intellect, we cannot know God. And without intellect, we cannot be like God. How many animals do you see that are trying to be like God? Uh, they don't have the ability to do that. The next thing is determination. I, uh, I would like to use the word will, but to us the word will is not very strong. Uh, so uh, to substitute the word determination, determination means to set limits, to set boundaries, to set goals, to settle a dispute, to reach a decision, to find out exactly In the Scriptures, though, in Peter, the Lord said, through the Holy Spirit through Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish. That's King James Version, NIV, says God is not wanting. But look at the determination behind that. God is determined, if we will work with Him, that there will be none who perish. In Timothy, he said, God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, uh, Matthew, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will, the determination of my Father which is in heaven. He said, pray like this, are your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And so, you see, uh, we've got to have our determination uh, there, and that's where our commitment comes from. Man and woman stand up, and they say, I do, and I do, and sometimes that's not very strong. Sometimes that I do does not last very long. We have a problem with making a commitment and sticking with it. And right here is the area in our heart that we're wrestling with, with that problem. But then there's another one. And that's the conscience. You know, where is sin recorded in human beings at? You thought about that yet? In Hebrews, the ninth chapter and verse nine, it says that uh, gifts and sacrifices that they brought were not going to clear the conscience. Cleared of what? Well, that's where we feel guilty from. In verse 14, he goes on and he says, Uh, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? And so you see, when we accept Jesus as Christ and the blood cleanses our heart, uh, it's our conscience that the blood is washing away the guilt that is there. In Hebrews 5, this, this ends up being a measuring stick. The conscience ends up, in my words, of being a measuring stick. In Hebrews 5 and verse 14, he said, "...Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish right from wrong." In the King James Version, it, it says, "...who've trained their senses." This word senses is translated in the NIV themselves. And, and if you'll look that word up and do a word study on it, you'll find out it's talking about mental capacity. The same word is used in Philippians 1 verse 9. And it's translated depth of insight. And, and so it's the root word that's used there in Philippians 1 verse 9. It's our mental organ that we learn to make decisions with, right and wrong decisions, that we've trained ourselves to be able to do this. I told you it was a measuring stick. Matthew 7, verse 1 says, "...judge not that you be not judged." And a lot of times that's as far as we get with that. But He didn't stop there. The Holy Spirit didn't stop there. He said, "...judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge shall you also be judged, and with what measure you measure out shall be measured unto you again." And so you see, it is a measuring stick. And that measuring stick has got to be Precise. And that measuring stick comes not from our opinions and not from what people have taught us, but our measuring stick needs to be adjusted by the Word of God. You shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. And when we let the Word of God train our conscience, and then a something happens, and we apply the ruler stick to it. And, and uh, we try to tell ourselves, you've got no right judging. That's as wrong as wrong can be. In John 7, in verse 24, he said, don't judge according to appearance, make right judgments. How do we make right judgments? It's applying the Word of God. So when our conscience has been trained by the Word of God, and, and we apply it to a situation, who did the judging? You or God? It was God. And so, uh, if our conscience are trained right, then you see we can make right judgments. The next thing is emotions. That's our desires and our passions. The word desires used over 300 times in the Bible must have some importance to it. In James 4, verse 1, he says, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the desires that war in your flesh? And, and that's for sure, that that's where they come from. In, in Romans, the 8th chapter, and verse 5, he says, "...those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires." But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What causes our desires? It's the set of your heart. If you've got your heart set on the flesh... You're going to desire the things of the flesh. If you've got your heart set on the Spirit, you're going to desire the things of the Spirit. Look at Galatians, the fifth chapter, and verse 16. I think this verse is a clear demonstration of what Jesus said in, in the Gospels when He said, you can't serve two masters. Look at this. Uh, Paul said, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. How can you ever get those two things together, flesh and spirit? No way we can serve two masters, because we can't get those things to agree together. In Mark 7, and verse 20, he said, It's not what goes into the mouth. We're fixing to put a lot of things in the mouth. You're hearing this a little bit now. It's not what goes in the mouth and goes out into the drought that makes us evil. It's what comes out of the heart. And you see, if our heart is set on the flesh, there's evil things there. And if our heart's set on the Spirit, then good things is going to come out of that. Let's summarize this. and, and, And here I believe this is important. You know, knowledge comes through our intellect. It trains the conscience There's where our convictions come from and we need to get our convictions from here and not grandma grandpa mom or dad or the church and and then our convictions uh causes us to determine set goals uh, set our aims and then when out of those determinations out of those setting our heart on specific goals, comes the desires and the passions. And they motivate us to reach these goals. I've seen a lot of passion here today. And, and praise God for, for the passion that I have seen from the speakers today. And so, uh, it's not easy, though. This task is not easy. And you know why it's not easy? Most of us are not willing to pay the price that it takes to, to have our heart that away. And if we won't have our heart that away, guess what we're not going to grow up in? Love. There's the process of growing up to be like God. And and if we want to be like God, there's the price that we're going to have to pay. Listen at Philippians two verse twelve. He says, Therefore, my dear friends As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And so (coughs) excuse me. It's it's being a partner with God, it's co working with God. God's not going to do it by Himself. And if, we, if we're not willing to work with Him, then this is not going to happen. And, and yet, if we will let God work in our lives, we'll man up. We'll man up and, and we'll accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. What's the benefits then that will come out of that if we will do that? The word no is used 1,150 times in the Bible. The word knowledge and known is used an additional, additional 280 times. There's almost 1,500 times that this word know is used. We, we're not going to be right with God without this. And, and uh, I think the usage of that word says that. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Look at the benefits. Look at the benefit of of knowing the truth and and heart and life being set free. (coughs) Excuse me. David was a man after God's own heart. In Psalms 119, he says, I love thy law, O Lord. On it I meditate day and night. And, And what was the benefit that come out of David being a man after God's own heart? Look at his relationship with God. When you like to have that relationship with God? In 2 Timothy 2.15, the King James Version, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What's the benefit in that? Well, wouldn't it be nice to divide the word of truth, to know what the truth is, and, and, and to be able to stand before God unashamed? There's some tremendous benefits in these things. You know, the most plagued, uh, problem, plagued, uh, immature, selfish church in the Bible is Corinth, and Paul works with Corinth. Then look look at how he's working with them. He, he starts off, and he's pointing out their problems and things. He gets to chapter 13, and there's the solution to it all. But, but watch him. In First uh, Corinthians 2.2, 2, he said, I've determined, I've resolved not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There's where it all starts. It starts right there, and we've got to build on top of that. In that same chapter... Verse 11, he said, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so you see, if we'll get in his Word, we can know the thoughts of God. He said, We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Do you want to know what God has freely given you? It comes from knowing the Word, getting in the Word. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? In chapter 5 and verse (coughs) 6. Praise God for insight. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. He said, your boasting is not good. Well, their boasting was from the flesh. He said, don't you know a little yeast will work through the whole batch? Don't you know it's going to do you harm? And, and uh, be wise. Turn away from that. He says in chapter 6 and verse uh, 2, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you know God is going to stand the world up beside of you and judge them based on your faith? based on the life that you live by surrendering to Him? That, uh, that to me is a, is an awesome thing. But he goes on down. He said, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? But if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life. And... and uh, we let these verses here be a little tough on us, but I think the meaning is simple if we will just stare at it a while and, and think about it a while. He says, I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between themselves? You know we we have disputes at Greater Olden. I bet anything they have disputes at the crossings. They had disputes there at Korah. He said, "Don't any aren't any of you wise enough? We only get that by study and and meditating and praying." Good old water. Mm. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Look at the times he's using this word, no. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Do you not know that He who unites Himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. But listen to what he had said to the Corinthians a little bit before that. This is chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Brothers, I cannot address you as spiritual. Are, are we addressing one another as spiritual at this men's retreat? He said he couldn't do that to the brethren in Corinth. I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk and not solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. But for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? I'm afraid that fits us too often, brothers. I'm afraid that... uh, We really, really need to surrender to the Lord in these areas and come on and grow and and be man up and be like God wants us to be. In John 4, verse 22, he's talking with the woman at the well and she tries to change the subject and says, Now we worship in this mountain, but you tell us it's in Jerusalem that we ought to worship. And Jesus said, You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. And and, uh, the being... That you're worshiping now. Do you know Him? Uh, That is so important. In 1 John 3, verse 14, He says, We know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. And so, you see, we know where our standing is. by by what's going on inside of us that comes through the knowledge and the depth of insight and helps our love to grow, that we look inside self and we see love there. And when we understand the love of God and we look inside self and see the love of God there, guess what? I'm saved. I'm saved. And the security that is there, the assurance that is there, and in the book of First John is saying that. He goes on and says in 5.13, These things have I written unto you that you may know you have eternal life. So we can know through, through knowledge comes the love. And, and through the love we can know that we're walking in hand in hand with God. And we're walking in the light. And, and this is not physical love. This is not phileo. And this is not storge. This is agape, love. It's the love of God. In John 17 and verse three, He says, "This is eternal life, to know You and Him whom You did send, even Jesus Christ." So, eternal life is sharing. It's that intimate relationship and sharing in the lovely life of God. And we've we've been blessed. We've been given these blessings through faith and through the work of our Lord and through the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, how could we turn our backs on on blessings like this? You know, we're we're equipped when when we surrender to the advice that the Holy Spirit spoke to the Philippian church through Paul, and and then we find ourselves equipped there. Look at First uh, Philippians 1, verse 10. Because here he's, he, he said his prayer, My prayer is that you may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. And so uh, this allows us to be pure and blameless. Pure is clean. The Old Testament, uh, you could be clean or unclean. If you touched a a dead body, you were unclean. You had to go and uh, change clothes, bathe yourself, wait till the evening before you could come back and be clean. But you see, the Old Testament uh, covenant there involved flesh and the Spirit. And so they were to keep themselves pure physically so that the Messiah would come through Israel, but they also needed to keep themselves pure spiritually. And so here he's telling us that we can be pure. In 1 John 1 and verse 9 he says that not only will he forgive us our sins, but he will purify us from all sin. And so uh, we can be pure through Jesus and and we need to work with him to stay that away. We can be blameless. Blameless is not sinless. Blame blameless is is not sinning to the point that somebody can get a handhold on you. If you're sinning to the point that somebody can reach out and get a handhold on you, you're not blameless. But you see, if if we fall into sin, if we stumble into sin every once in a while, John says. Uh, if we say we don't, we're liars. But it, but we uh, we can be blameless, and we can live our lives where uh, people cannot get a handhold on sin in our life. In Philippians, again, in the second chapter, verse 14, he says, "...do everything without complaining or arguing." Boy, we've heard some of that today, haven't we? He said, "...so that you may become blameless and pure." Children of God, without fault in a crooked and a depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, and and so, uh, working, following the advice and and working with God and the Holy Spirit and the Son and and the Messiah. You see, we can come to the point of being pure and blameless. We have the ability to make good decisions and do love each other in verse 11 of Philippians. He says, "Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God." And so this allows us to bear fruit. And and that fruit is blessings, you know, and it, and that fruit comes from right living. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law and and so as the fruit is being produced in our life we're becoming like God himself is that enjoyable uh yes there's there's blessings that come from that philippians 4 and verse 2 and 3 paul says i pray for you odia and synthochi that, that they agree with each other in the lord paul knew these problems were there he started off praying in chapter 1, and, and here's the solution to the problem in chapter 4. If they would listen to him in chapter 1 and, and let their love abound in knowledge and in depth of insight, then cha- the problems in chapter 4 are going to disappear. You know, we got problems at, at both congregations. Uh, if, if we will practice chapter 1, the problems will be eliminated no matter what they are in each congregation. And so, the question here, though, are we committed enough to pay the price to accomplish these things? And uh, look at the opportunities that you have. If if we would take uh, Tim's lesson at Greater Oakland, if you all would take Robert's lesson at the crossings, and go home and take that lesson and look, look it up in the Scriptures and, and do a word study on those Scriptures to run cross-references and to really see that uh, they're saying what these men were telling us they said in, at the congregation. wonder if any growth would come through that. I think the greatest growth would come through that. I don't think sitting there in the congregation just hearing those things is going to cause much growth. It's whether we're determined to go away and practice the things we heard and and see to go home and and to make them real and and to uh, put our stamp of approval on it and our conviction that what they said was right and good and uh, convince ourselves And then live by those things. That's one way. In our cells, how serious are we? You know, sometimes in our cell we're very serious about sleeping. Because we go right home from uh, worship and we eat a meal. And we're an older cell. And guess what naturally happens after you eat a meal like that? And... uh, I'd like to get them to do jumping jacks, but I'm afraid it might harm them physically if we did that. And, uh, boy, if if we would be serious, Alan has been putting in some great effort in, in coming up with material for ourselves to where we can examine our hearts and help one another with that. And I really appreciate that very, very much. But if we don't use it, what, what good is his effort going to do for us? You know, and, and so I'll wager an opinion here on this. I bet he gets a whole lot more out of it than we do. The teacher always gets more, you know. And, but I really appreciate the effort. Keep it up. Uh, the SIBI program. Do you realize the church about ten years ago or more paid three, over $3,000? $3, that material. Now, praise God, a lot of the people have taken advantage of it. and But, you know, there's a whole bunch who haven't even thought about taking one class. If you meant the Lord Jesus Christ, I think He would say, how come you haven't taken advantage of at least one class? 'Cause it's an in depth study, and if you're serious about growing in knowledge and depth of insight, I think you'll work out a time there that you'll get in a deeper study of the Word of God and, and I believe it's good stuff. Uh, come on, brothers. Let's let's man up. You know what? Look look at look at the depth of this. You you know we can defeat the devil? You know we can defeat the world? If if we will man up with this stuff, we can whip the enemies of God? I know you like challenges. I saw your sweat last night. I saw a lot of you not wanting to go to bed and Doing your challenges. Let's be challenged by manning up for God. Uh, let's let's be proud of being the children of God in a right way. Let's be proud of our God. Let's let's man up. Let's get with it. Listen at Paul. This is First Corinthians sixteen verse thirteen. He said, "Be on your guard." And here's this weak. Uh, Inmature church. And, and he's, he's saying, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. This is the message. This is the way the author of the message said it. He said, keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you got. Be resolute and love without stopping. We can do that. We can do that. And you see, this part right here is very much involved, but probably more important than that is being convicted that we need to. Let's not take pride in the flesh. Let's take pride... In our God, and let's show the world who our Lord is. Let's show the world that the power of evil is nothing in comparison with the power of our God. And it's not. You've whipped things already, Faye and I have whipped things already. Through the power of God, we can overcome the world. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm finished. Let's go eat.